0: Our Bible reading this morning comes from 1 Corinthians, chapter 14. We're going to commence at the first verse, and it's on page 1152 of the um, Brown Bibles in our pews. Follow the way of love eagerly and desire gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy, For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people, but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit, but the one who prophesies speaks to the people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. Anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves, but the one who prophesies edifies the Church. I would like every one of you to speak in tongues, but I would rather have you prophesy The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets so that the church may be edified. Now, brothers and sisters, if I come to you and speak in tongues, what good will I be to you unless I bring you some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or word of instruction? Even in the case of lifeless things that make sounds such as the pipe or the harp, How will anyone know what tune is being played unless there is a distinction in the notes? Again, if the trumpet does not sound a clear call, who will get ready for battle? So it is with you. Unless you speak intelligible words with your tongue, how will anyone know what you are saying? You will just be speaking into the air. Undoubtedly, there are lots of languages in the world, yet none of them is without meaning. If then I do not grasp the meaning of what someone is saying, I am a foreigner, or to the speaker, and the speaker is a foreigner to me. So it is with you, since you are eager for gifts of the Spirit, try to excel in those that build up the church. For this reason, the one who speaks in a tongue should pray that they may interpret what they say. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. So what shall I do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will also pray with my understanding. I will sing with my spirit, but I will also sing with my understanding. Otherwise, when you are praising God in the spirit, how can someone else who is now put in the position of an inquirer say amen to your thanksgiving? since they do not know what you are saying. You are giving thanks well enough, but no one else is edified. I thank God that I speak tongues more than all of you, but in the church, I would rather speak five intelligible words to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. Brothers and sisters, stop thinking like children. In regard to the evil, be infants, but in thinking, be adults. In the Lord is written with other tongues and through the lips of foreigners I will speak to these people but th- even then they will not listen to me says the Lord. Tongues then are a sign not for believers but for unbelievers. Prophecy however is not for unbelievers but for believers. So if the whole church comes together and everyone speaks in tongues and inquirers or unbelievers come in, will they not say that you're out of your mind? But if an unbeliever or an inquirer comes in while everyone is prophesying, they are convicted of sin and are brought under the judgment by all, <clears throat> as the secrets of their hearts are laid bare. So they will fall down and worship God, exclaiming, God is really among you. What then shall we say, brothers and sisters? When you come together each of you <clears throat> each of you has a hymn or a word of instruction a revelation a tongue or interpretation everything must be done so that the church may be built up if anyone speaks in tongues two or at the most three should speak one at a time and someone must interpret if there is no interpreter the speaker should keep quiet in the church and speak to himself and to God. Two or three prophets should speak, and the others should weigh carefully what is said. And if a revelation comes to someone who is sitting down, the first speaker should stop. For you can all prophesy in turn, so that everyone may be instructed and encouraged. The spirits of the prophets are subject to the control of the prophets. For God is not a God of disorder, but of peace, As in all the congregation of the Lord's people. Here ends our reading.
1: Well, good morning again. Now, no doubt uh, that is an interesting reading, it's a long reading. And if you're new to us here at St. Matthew's, we've been working our way slowly through what's called the book to the Corinthians, the first letter. And uh, this is the passage that we're up to and we're going to look at it this morning. So let me pray for us. Father, we do thank you we can be here. We thank you for your word, the Bible. And I pray that as I seek to explain it, that you would speak to our hearts and minds. In Jesus' name, Amen. Well, I've called this morning Intelligible Worship, but let me uh, start by telling you a story about something that was unintelligible for me. Now, I remember the first time I flew overseas to a country that didn't speak English. I don't know if you've done that. Um, It's an interesting kind of experience to have someone speaking a different tongue, native tongue to you, and you've got no idea what they're saying. Now, I was 22, Uh, I was a new Christian, and I'd taken a semester off university, and I had um, basically, hooked up with my best friend Dave Whitehead, and we decided we'd go to Europe instead of go to university. Sounded a much better idea. Now, the first place we started was in Italy because we had some family friends. Zhenya, uh, who was, uh, had married to a Russian, she'd emigrated to Australia, we'd become good friends as a family, and she lived in Napoli. And so we decided we would start our kind of European trek from Napoli. So we flew into Rome Airport. And I remember it well, we got off the uh, plane, collected our baggage from the um, luggage console. And then got the bus and we ended up at this place, the Roma Termini. It's the uh, Rome station. And we had to buy tickets to go down to Lapoli. And there was noise and there was chaos and everyone's in a hurry. It is Italy. There are no road rules over there. And uh, we pulled up and we bought a ticket uh, from a place, uh, which that's a historic photo. It looked very similar to that. Uh, That is the ticket terminal at Roma Termini. And I remember giving the equivalent of about 50 bucks to the ticket guy. And he looked at me, and he knew I couldn't speak English. And he gives me the ticket back, and I'm waiting for the money to come back for the, you know, the change. And he just smiles and goes, away, in Italian. <laughs> and I go, where's my money? And he says, what? <laughs> I don't know, he said something in Italian. Now there's all these people queued up, and there's just Italian being spoken everywhere, and I don't understand a word of it. And I'm trying to talk in English, and he's getting agitated with me, I'm getting agitated with him, and I realised then and there, on my first exchange of money in Europe, I'd been ripped off cold. (laughs) Not a good feeling. Now, I'm going to come back to that story because, you see, my memory is everyone speaking in tongues, and I had no idea what was going on, and it was very confusing. And I'm going to come back to that experience as we think about what we've got this morning and this morning's passage 1 Corinthians chapter 14 that we have just had read to us uh, it's a long reading and there's kind of a detailed argument now there's two key terms in there which are referred to the first is speaking in tongues and the second is prophecy and so let me just put up what I think if I can put some definitions up about what I think these terms are meaning, because uh, if you're not familiar with these concepts, it's worth having a bit of explanation about actually what does it mean to speak in tongues, what does it mean to have prophecy? Now the first thing with tongues is this: um, When you read through the New Testament, and we need to kind of keep coming back to our Bibles to understand what these terms mean, there seems to be two different ways that tongues are spoken of. And so if you go to the book of Acts. After Jesus has risen from the dead and he's met with the disciples, he commissions them, he goes back to heaven, and they wait and they pray. The Holy Spirit, in the most demonstrative way kind of in church history, fell upon them, and it records there that they spoke in tongues. Now, what that meant was they actually spoke in different languages. So when you hear of the word tongue, my mother tongue is Australian kind of perverted form of English and I speak Australian I think a lot of us here speak Australian do you speak Australian? Now I know here in the congregation we've got people who don't just speak Australian they also speak Portuguese if they've come from Brazil we've got Brazilians uh, we've also got people here who speak Afrikaans. I have them in the office talking away and they'll be on the phone and they'll be talking Afrikaans. They'll look at me and they'll talk in English. It's all right. Uh, we've got German speakers, French speakers, Spanish speakers, and there's even some from, uh, that speak this strange dialect of English called Americano, and they come from the Northern Americas, and we welcome them here as well. Now, that's tongues, first example, English, if I can say not english um, human languages of different tongues, And that's what happened in the first instance in the book of Acts. And so you've got speaking in other human languages. But secondly, when you come to Corinth, it seems to be a different type of language that's spoken of. And last week we saw, by way of introduction, Paul talking about this reality. And he said there in chapter 13, If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but have not love, I'm only a clanging cymbal. And you see there that there's actually two types of speaking in tongues, that of, if I can say, people or humanity, but also this kind of angelic language. Now the common thing with them is this, they are languages that people are speaking in and they can be understood. Now like myself, when I was in Italy, I had no idea what was being spoken by the Italian ticket booth seller. People, when they hear people speak in angelic language, also think what is being spoken of. But it is a language and it can be understood because it's interesting, in this chapter we're looking at, it speaks of the fact that people can have the gift of interpretation. And so people can obviously understand it. And the best description of it is it's the language of angels. And that's the way Paul seems to talk about it here in chapter 14. So that's speaking in tongues and in particular what's being referred to in this chapter, is speaking in, if I can say, in angelic language. Now, the second topic is prophecy. Now, prophecy is an interesting one when you come to the Bible. Now, you often think of prophets as people who predict. That's kind of the natural way we think. I've got a prophecy. What am I doing? I'm predicting something. Now, when you look through Scripture, it's actually got a whole lot of nuances to it. Um, You actually can't be too precise with it. And it's not necessarily... In fact, it's often not about predicting things. And so you think in the Old Testament, one of the most famous prophets was Moses. Now Moses um, taught a lot, he exhorted a lot, but he's also called a prophet. And what he was doing was speaking the word of God to the people of the day and applying it to them in a prophetic manner. Even though um, we think of him, if I can say, as a leader... The Old Testament thinks of him as a prophet. And he wrote his prophecies in the sense of he wrote scripture and those writings are prophetic, they speak into our lives. Now in King Samuel's day they had schools of prophets. Now they were different to Moses. Moses wrote, if I can say, thus says the Lord, it's in our Bible, it is the word of God but there were schools of prophet that we don't actually know what they spoke about. Uh, it's not in the sense of thus says the Lord um, for all eternity. Uh, There's a lower level of authority there but yet they were speaking prophetically in Saul's day and Samuel's day. Now the New Testament, a similar thing occurs. You've got apostles which is John, Peter, Paul who we've just listened to in terms of his letter to the Corinthians and they spoke prophetically and they wrote prophetically. Their writings are prophetic And they are scripture in the sense that this is God's word to us. And so you've got the God's word in the Old Testament. You've got God's word in the New Testament. And they wrote scripture and they spoke prophetically and they were infallible. And yet there are other prophets in the New Testament. You've got someone like Agabus. Now what's interesting is uh, when you look at the apostles, they speak infallibly. In other words, there's an authority there. It is completely true. It's always right. But you have someone like Agabus who appears on occasion to maybe get it wrong when he spoke prophetically uh, about the Apostle Paul and his journey to Jerusalem. And then you hear of other people who are prophets and you come to this passage where Paul is actually encouraging everyone to prophesy. Well, not everyone necessarily to do it, but to pray for that gift And when you come to this chapter, it's got a number of things which I think are helpful for us understanding what it means in terms of the gift of prophecy. Now, let me put them up. Firstly, it's different to preaching or teaching. And I say that because when you have a look at chapter 12, and if you've got your Bibles up, do open up. Um, We're going to have a flick around there on the seats uh, next to you or underneath. Paul says there's different gifts or abilities given to the church. And he says, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles? answer no but you learn from that actually it's a different gift to be able to speak prophetically as it is uh, to teach the word etc etc so there's a difference to this in teaching and preaching yet I do want to say you will hear preachers and teachers speak prophetically moved by the spirit of God they can speak prophetically to congregations sometimes not even aware of it But there's no doubt they can speak prophetically in that role, though I want to say it's a different gift that's given. Secondly, its purpose is to build the church up. And here's the interesting thing. If you have a look at chapter 14, verse 3, um, it's not spoken of as being predictive. This is what's going to happen. But rather, there's three functions that Paul mentions of relevance. It's for strengthening. It's for encouraging. It's for comforting. In other words, it's a speaking ministry, but it's one that strengthens or encourages or comforts people to speak prophetically into someone's life. That's chapter 14, verse 3. Thirdly, it appears to come by divine revelation, and it's interesting when you get to the end of the chapter, Paul starts to reflect on some practical practice issues, and he says, look, if, pe- if this is happening at church, two or three prophets should speak. Excuse me. And the others should weigh carefully what is being said. And if a revelation comes to someone who's sitting down, the first speaker should stop. In other words, um, the revelation being a prophetic insight is coming. And so the nature of prophecy is that God is revealing something to someone regarding uh, something to be said. And so it appears to come by divine revelation. That's verses 29 and 30. But interestingly and significantly... It does not have the authority of Scripture and needs to be tested by Scripture. And you see that basically there in verse 29 and 30. um, If a revelation comes, um, you should weigh carefully what's being said. Now at the end of the chapter in verse 36 to 38, Paul says these words to the Corinthians who thought they were very gifted in their word gifts and particularly in terms of prophecy, etc, etc. And he says to them, and it's a very strong rebuke, he says, Look, did you think the word of God originated with you? Or are you the only people it's reached? In other words, are you the only ones that you think God is speaking to? Well, if anyone thinks they're a prophet or otherwise gifted by the Spirit, i.e. in terms of speaking word ministry, let them acknowledge that what I'm writing to you is the Lord's command. But if anyone ignores this, they themselves will be ignored. In other words, what I'm writing to you is thus says the Lord. This is God's word to you, Corinthian church. I'm writing God's command to you. And if you think you're speaking prophetically and you're disagreeing with me, well then God is going to actually ignore you. In other words, all of our ministries need to come underneath the authority of the Word of God. And as he says, you should carefully weigh what's said. We need to test what people say to each other and to ourselves according to the Word of God, it needs to come underneath this authority. So what is prophecy? I would put it in these simple words. People can speak prophetically to others in their own fallible words. In other words, it's speaking merely human words to report something God has brought to mind. Speaking merely human words reports something God brings to mind and I say merely human words because when we're speaking prophetically it's not the same as the word of God as found in scripture but it is speaking words regarding something God has revealed to a person and it's interesting people can do this consciously or unconsciously. One of the interesting things for me is One of the reasons I'm here is someone spoke prophetically into my life. And if you ask them, they'd probably say, I didn't even realise they were doing it. But God had revealed something to Harry Goodhue, the former Archbishop of Sydney, fine Christian man. And when I was in the process of thinking about my future and manly, he spoke prophetically into my life. In a way, I wonder even today whether he knew what he did. But I've got no doubt in my own mind that he spoke prophetically to my situation because... He actually predicted something which was, um, had never happened in the diocese for 20 years about what would happen to me. And he said, you know, if this scenario happens to happen to you, Bruce, there was a level of qualification about what he said, which I thought was helpful. He said, I think you should do this. And he said, you should take the job at Manly. And I remember thinking, that's never going to happen. Lo and behold, it exactly happened the way he spoke about it. He spoke prophetically into my life. Let me make it though a comment on language use. One of the things I've noticed if I can say in terms of church cultures is um, there's kind of on this issue you've got people who've come from a more charismatic background or Pentecostalism and you've got people who are more evangelical which is my tradition and my experience. And it's worth saying God is operating in both circles. Both have the Holy Spirit but one of the things I've noticed is that people use different language in those circles and so people from a more charismatic background feel freer to say, look, this is what God has told me, or God is saying this to you. And what they're wanting to say is that this is something that has been revealed to them by God, but they have, a, if I can say, a stronger use of language than what I'm comfortable with. And the reason for that is I think there needs to be a sense of um, measuredness in terms of the language you use that recognises that our speaking is not on the same level or authority as what God's word is and so evangelicals will often say you know have you ever thought about this and I think well that probably is not strong enough (laughs) and we need to say you know God has really impressed upon me Um, just to encourage you with this thought have you thought about this and I think we need to be encouraged to think what is it that God is revealing to us And is it something that we need to speak to others to strengthen them, to encourage them, to comfort them and to speak God's word into people's lives? The thing I've noticed is that God's voice always sounds strangely like Scripture. Let me say that again. God's voice always sounds strangely like Scripture. In other words... The more we read the Word of God, the more I think God is going to be speaking into our lives about our situations and how he wants us to be strengthened, encouraged and comforted. And I think when we do that, prophetic gifts will start to come alive. But what does this passage have to say to us about these two things of speaking in tongues and prophecy? Well, it's a long passage. Um, If you want the summary, it's this. Um, desire eagerly gifts that build the church up over ones that just edify you personally that's what I think this passage is saying desire gifts that build up the church over ones that just edify you personally and at the beginning of this section there's two verses which kind of um, if I can give the heading for what he's going to talk about at the end of chapter 12 He really starts this section of scripture, but then he gets sidelined talking about love and its importance, and then comes back to the topic. And I'll read out the two verses: chapter, end of chapter twelve, verse thirty-one. He says, "Now eagerly desire the greater gifts." And then he talks about love, and then he comes back to that thought. Verse one of chapter fourteen: "Follow the way of life and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy." So, what he's wanting to say: encouraging us, desire gifts of the Spirit. That's a good thing but desire greater ones and particularly prophecy. Why? Because there's no doubt one of the issues of the day was that people were getting up um, in a, if I can say, congregational setting like this and just speaking in tongues in the sense of the language of angels. And there's a lot of noise and not a lot of understanding. And Paul wants to write and address it. And let's just read through, and I'm just going to go through bit by bit what he says and the argument and the flow of this passage. And so they're the verses that uh, starts us off. But let's have a look at verse 2, where the passage starts. For anyone who speaks in a tongue that does not speak to people but to God, i.e., not a human language use of tongues, but angelic language, indeed no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. And what Paul is going to say in this passage is speaking in tongues has a limited value. Now that's not to say it has no value. But it is to say that it has a limited value in the sense of when we gather together, tongues will not edify us as a congregation in the way that prophecy will, or speaking the word of God will, or teaching will. So it's got a limited value. Now, what I don't want to say is this, because Paul says don't use it in the congregational setting, I don't want to say, well, it's not a valuable gift because it's given by God, it is valuable. Uh, It's not given to everyone, it's only given to some people. Now, I don't personally speak in tongues, so I thought, what will I say about this in terms of encouragement or just to say something? Because Paul says, I thank God for this gift. So I wrote to some people in the congregation uh, who come here And uh, here's what some of them said regarding the value of speaking tongues for them personally. One person wrote, The benefit to me initially was that it gave me a voice in prayer when I was desperate to pray for someone and did not know how to pray and what to pray. I was unable to pray. It enabled me to have confidence and faith that what was needed to be prayed for had been prayed. It also gave me emotional release and a sense of calmness followed. God's peace entered in. Another person wrote, In praying by myself, it is mainly of greatest assistance when words fail me. I don't know what to pray and how to pray, and praying in tongues helps me keep talking to God. Another person wrote, It's personally strengthened them in a way that's hard to describe, but it's been very beneficial in terms of their personal quiet times as they have prayed and sought God. And one of the things I noticed as I read through the different people and what they said was was in common was that they from a personal point of view, found it very beneficial. Now, it wasn't benefiting the body in the sense of something that we can all benefit from, but no doubt, absolutely no doubt, they personally are thankful for it and it strengthened them. But what does Paul want to say? Well, let's go on to verse 3 to 5. Prophecy has greater value because it builds the church. Let me read to you in verse 3 the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening and encouraging and comfort anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves but the one who prophesies edifies the church in other words they build the church up i'd like every one of you to speak in tongues but i'd rather have you prophesy in other words yes it's a good thing but actually there's a greater thing and that's what he says the one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues unless someone interprets so that the church may be edified the word edified means to be built up and encouraged and you see, it's interesting because in chapter 12, he's actually said everyone's equal. Do you remember that? We're in the body. And Scott spoke of this. And there's no one greater than the other. The fact that I'm up here, if I can say leading, does not mean I'm greater than the person who's serving morning tea this morning. We're all part of God's body. We're all part of, if I can say, the team. And uh, no one's more important than the other. We've just got different roles that we at work. And all of those roles are needed but yet the interesting thing is here actually the one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues. And so it's not in the sense that they are more spiritual or they're more valuable but their ministry has a greater impact. That's what he's saying. You see the one who prophesies is greater than the one who interprets. Why? Because the one who prophesies edifies the church in a way When people speak in tongues, they don't. And you see, the baseline rule for Paul is, or principle is, what's most important is that we use our gifts to edify others. They're not for uh, normally personal gain. It's actually for corporate together gain. And so prophecy has greater value as it actually builds the church in a way that speaking in tongues doesn't, unless there's someone to interpret third thing tongues don't build up the church and there's a very long discussion here verse 6 to 12 where he says look brothers and sisters if I come and speak to you in tongues what good will it be to you unless I bring some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or word of instruction even in the case of lifeless things that make sound, such as the pipe or the harp how will anyone know what tune is being played unless there's a distinction in the notes now I could illustrate this by jumping on the organ behind me and I could tell you it would not be a pretty picture Even a keyboard I'll struggle with, an organ, it would be dreadful because there would be no sense of notes and tune. Now, David into Amman is very gifted and we love having David lead us. And you see, he's saying, what's the point of having music if there's no distinction in the notes? And verse 9 is key. Unless you speak intelligible words with your tongue, how will anyone know what you're saying? You'll just be speaking into the air. Undoubtedly, there are, there are all sorts of languages in the world, yet none of them is without meaning. If then I do not grasp the meaning of what someone is saying, I am a foreigner to the speaker, and the speaker is a foreigner to me. Now that's exactly how I felt over in Italy at that ticket booth. I'm thinking, I'm a foreigner here. I can't understand a word you're saying, you can't understand a word I'm saying, and I'm miffed. And I thought this morning I'm still miffed. He ripped me off blind. <laughs> And I had no idea what's going on. And you see, that's what he's saying happens if everyone here is speaking in tongues. Since then, you're eager for spiritual gifts. Try to excel in those that build up the church. So if you're praying to receive a gift, pray to receive one that builds everyone up, not just yourself. Why? And here's the next thing. Verse 13 to 21. God wants intelligible worship when we gather, not unintelligible. Verse 13. For this reason, the one who speaks in a tongue should pray that they may interpret what they say. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. So what shall I do? I'll pray with my spirit, but I'll also pray with my understanding. I'll sing with my spirit, but I'll also sing with my understanding. Otherwise, when you're praising God in the spirit, how can someone else who is now put in the position of an inquirer say amen to your thanksgiving, since they do not know what you're saying? And you see, the word outside of there is the word idiotes. And it's where we get the word idiot from. Now, it's interesting. We have that in a pejorative kind of negative sense. You're an idiot. Uh, To be an idiot in Greece meant literally you were unlearned. You were a beginner. You were someone who had just kind of walked in. And what he's saying is think about the person who just walks into church who really doesn't understand the Christian faith. And this is kind of their first experience. Imagine if you're all speaking in tongues, they're going to have no idea what's being said. And it's really not helpful for them, since they know what you're saying. You're giving thanks well enough, but no one is actually being built up. And that's why he says in verse 18, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. In other words, it's a good gift of God if you can do it. Fantastic. And we mustn't be afraid. But in the church, Paul says, I'd rather speak five intelligible words to instruct others, than 10,000 words in a tongue. Now for those who weren't convinced, Paul then quotes the Old Testament. It's very striking, he says in verse 20, um, and basically saying his speaking in tongues in church will actually lead to judgment on unbelievers. Brothers and sisters, stop thinking like children in regard to evil, be infants. But in your thinking, be adults, in other words, grow up in how you think about these things. In the law it's written, with other tongues and through the lips of foreigners I'll speak to this people and even they will not listen to me, says the Lord. Tongues then are a sign not for believers but for unbelievers. Prophecy, however, is not for unbelievers but for believers. So if the whole church comes together and everyone speaks in tongues and inquirers or unbelievers come in, will they not say, are you out of your mind? Now, what he's saying is this. He's quoting Isaiah 28 from the Old Testament. And there God said... I'm going to bring a word of judgment and the word of judgment is I'm going to bring people from other countries who don't speak your language into your streets and they're going to speak and that's going to be a sign for you that that is the future. In other words, you're going to be run over by them. It's just like if you left church today and imagine you went out in the Corso and all the signs that are in English had been changed. Now, I'm going to use a different country at every service so I don't pick on one particular country. Say they were Russian, okay? And you thought, what on earth is going on? Have the Russians taken over? Because all I can hear and see is Russian. And everyone in the streets is speaking Russian. And you turn on the news and it's now in Russian. You think, what on earth is happening? Well, a takeover has taken place and we've been invaded. And you see, that's what um, Isaiah said is going to happen. You're going to hear foreign voices in your streets. And it's a word of judgment because they are going to come and destroy you. Now Paul quotes that about speaking in tongues in church where people are singing out loud and no one knows what is being said. And he says, actually, if someone comes in here, they're going to think you're out of your mind. Now I know of this reality and I've spoken to people, friends, who have gone to churches where everyone was speaking in tongues and they thought, this is crazy. I had no idea what's happening. And they've left... And they've left under the judgment of God in the sense that they are no wiser about the Christian faith. And that's why he says prophecy actually is what you want to be doing when you're together because it can lead to salvation for people who are from outside. But if an unbeliever or an inquirer comes in while everyone is prophesying, they are convicted of sin and are brought under judgment by all. As the secrets of their hearts are laid bare, so they'll fall down and worship God, exclaiming, God is really among you. And you see, here's the point. If we are speaking intelligible words and we're taking the word of God and speaking it into each other's lives in a way that people can understand the Christian faith and that God loves them and Jesus died for them and they need to give their life to him. And they can understand that. They're actually hearing the truth of the gospel and it will be a sign to them that God loves them. And there'll be a great sense that God is actually here amongst us. Now, I've heard that time and time again of people coming in this place, walking off the course, because you see, as we sing the praises of God and worship him, there's a sense of which they can understand what we're doing. It's intelligible. As we're speaking the word of God out and as we're reading it and praying and as we speak to each other the word of God, people understand and there's a real sense actually God is amongst us. I can understand this. He is really among you. And I've seen people who have been converted as they've come in here. It hasn't happened in the first instance, but the real sense of this is a place where God is. It's intelligible. And you see, God will speak to our hearts and he will typically do that through our minds. He will address our hearts through our heads as we come to understand he loves us. Now, I had a last thing to say, uh, which is God is a God of order. Uh, I'm going to skip that because I'm out of time and I need to make just some pastoral reflections about what does this say to me? Well, firstly, what would I say to people who do speak in tongues here at St. Matthew's? First thing I want to say is rejoice in that gift. It's a gift of God and you should give thanks for it the way the Apostle Paul does. And enjoy, if I can say, the benefit of it. But don't pressure others to have it, which is what happened a number of decades ago when people began to kind of rediscover this gift. But use it so that you become a blessing to other people. In other words, if it is enriching your life, great. May that then enable you to be a blessing as you bless other people. Rejoice in your gift. What would I say to those who don't? Well, firstly, I'd say do not be afraid of this gift. It might sound weird, but it's actually something that is, if I can say, quite natural when people start to pray in tongues. And it's fine to ask for it. But we must not be disappointed if that doesn't happen. And I remember as a young Christian praying for this gift and not receiving it. And I got to a point of saying, oh, well, God obviously has not wanted me to have it at this point. He may in the future, who knows? He gives gifts as he sovereignly chooses. But from this passage, Paul is saying today desire gifts that actually build the body up. And I've been gifted in other ways and I'm content with how God has wired me. You see, our spirituality is not dependent on whether we speak in tongues or not. To be spiritual is to confess Christ as Lord and to use our gifts in the service of others. What would I say about prophecy and how it should operate here at St. Matthew's? Well, from this passage, Paul is saying, desire it. And I would say to us, desire it. And that would look like this for me. If you want to be speaking prophetically to other people, soak yourself in the Word of God. Because as I said, the voice of God sounds strangely like Scripture. And read it. And pray that God is speaking to you through this. And pray this for your own sake and for the sake of those you're in fellowship with. And be prayerfully asking, is there something here that God wants me to share with others to build them up? And I think you'll be amazed, the more you're in the Word prayerfully, the more God is going to be speaking to you. And the more you can speak God's Word into other people's lives. And one thing we absolutely need is to have a culture of us being soaked in the Word and prayerfully thinking about how can we build and comfort and strengthen and speak into each other's lives. The revelation that God is bringing to us through his word and today if you want a prayer for God to be at work in your life to gift you I'd encourage you come forward at the end of the service I'd love to pray for you but my time is up we're going to celebrate communion now so let me finish with prayer father we do thank you for your word and I pray Lord that you would be gifting all of us so that we can together grow your people here in whatever way you would gift us father may we use those gifts to build the body in Jesus name Amen. Thanks, Scotty.